0: Nintendo stuff. Whoops. I keep doing that. Hello, everybody. So, like, I'm going to talk about this real quick. So, like, every, like, the last two weeks in a row, when I do the countdown to put the intro up on screen, I count it down, and then I I hit the button to go live. <clears throat> well, unfortunately for me, I get so focused on counting down that I don't actually queue up the stream. I end up hitting the stinger button, and it just stings right back to the preview screen. So I then have to go and press (laughs) our stream and then bring that to program, and that's all the the Momo Jumbo I deal with when uh, I start the show. That
1: reminds me of an episode of Futurama where they're launching a rocket with a ball of garbage on it to hit another ball of garbage that is coming towards the Earth. Uh, and when Fry goes to press the button to launch it, they go "Uh," and he like misses the button (laughs) and then he presses it again and then it launches. So that's what like immediately popped in my head. You're like, Oh, I screwed that up. Like you like, I I missed, I missed the button. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's exactly what I did. I've done that at my TV station before, uh, so, like you know, we're a CBS affiliate, so we have uh, CBS This Morning that runs for, I think, an hour or two every weekday, mm-hmm. uh, and basically, they live on set. They will cue us, the local stations, when it's time for our local breaks, and they'll they'll turn to the camera and say, "And now for your local weather." And on that cue, I have to go press the button that starts our local station promos and commercials. Well, one time, I was on the other side of the room in my, like, computer hacker rolly chair. Because uh, I'm, like, surrounded by computers in that room. Yeah. Uh, and I, I hear the cue coming up, like, it was weird. Like, I could be in a full-on conversation with somebody, and I could just hear, and now for your local weather, and it would just, like, snap me back into work mode, and I'd fly over and press that button. Well, this time, uh... I was actually sitting there. I heard the cue, and I went to press the button. My hand flew across the uh, the desk to get to the button, it, and I missed. And I hit the button next to it, which started a commercial. We have three stations that we run simultaneously, and I hit the commercial button for the <laughs> wrong channel. So now here I am, like, okay, i got to stop this commercial, get the show back on the air, and also I have to start the commercial that I missed. So I'm just, like, doing all this... Excuse me, mental gymnastics of trying to get everything back in order all at the same time, and it was a mess. Uh. Excuse me, but nobody noticed, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah,
1: that all that sounds like experiences I've had. You know, because I do. Uh, I'll sometimes do video stuff. I'll work with like video switchers and and such. Uh, and and sometimes like you just you're just not that into it. Like it's just you're just waiting. Like you're doing nothing, uh, and then you have to do like. A few things, you know, in a very short period of time, and then you're back to doing nothing. So it's hard to keep, like, you know, focused on everything all the time, especially when you're putting
0: for me. (laughs) Yeah,
1: especially when you think you have ADHD, and that might be part of it. Uh, Yeah, but I digress.
0: Man, it was also like worse for me because I started that shift at four o'clock in the morning. and by the time CBS This Morning starts, I'm already three hours into my shift. Uh, so I'm just, like, sitting there brain dead. And during this time, I was working nearly full-time, like, 35 hours a week, and going to school full-time, and I had a full-time internship all at the same time. Uh, I was getting, on average, like, four or five hours of sleep, so it was just bad. mm Yeah, and I would just be sitting there, like, completely out of it. If I didn't get up and start walking around the the studio control, uh, I don't know, man. I don't think I would have made it. (laughs) Uh, It's nuts. But that was years ago, so it doesn't apply to me so much (laughs) these days. Uh, Welcome to Nintendo Stuff. This is not the CBS affiliate podcast. This is Nintendo (laughs) Stuff, where we talk about (laughs) Nintendo Stuff. My name is Brandon Miracle, joined by Logan Welliver, here at the breakroom arcade and we got lots to talk about. This was a surprisingly big week of news. Uh, as I was going back through and collecting the stories for today's episode, I was like, Oh yeah, that happened. Oh yeah, that happened. Oh no, yeah, that been,
1: happened too. We were anticipating like the next few weeks would certainly be full of, of news. Uh, but who, who knew this week would also be some good stuff.
0: Yeah. This week had some chunky stuff. <laughs> uh, But uh, I think one of the more prevalent things uh, actually came from today. Uh, I don't know if you saw the new Pokemon Sword and Shield trailer. It was fairly brief. I think Mm -hmm. it was like a minute and a half to two minutes. They uh, showed some of the new battle mechanics. Well, they're not really new so much, but they show how Dynamaxing can actually change more than just battle damage. Uh, Like, it can change the way that certain um, Pokemon abilities are utilized or, you know... Different uh, like buffs, you know, you increase your attack, increase your speed. Um, some Dynamax Pokemon, when they attack the enemy Pokemon, it increases the enemy Pokemon's stats, like as a compensation for the extra damage. Like I'm going to do a lot of damage to you, but as a result, you're also going to get a damage buff if you happen to survive. And uh, it might seem weird at first but you know I we played Pokemon Sword and Shield at E3 and Dynamaxing makes you incredibly powerful you could probably one shot most pokemon we had type advantage our pokemon was dynamaxed and we got one shot <laughs> by another dynamax pokemon so right uh there definitely needs to be a balance of power. And I thought that was kind of an interesting approach. And that may have been specific to that specific Pokemon that was Dynamax. I don't know entirely how it works, but the competitive community seemed to actually be pretty into a lot of the things they had to say.
1: Oh, okay. So do you think like maybe the way they went about Dynamaxing was specifically like, you know, so that it maybe would be more of a mainstay or appeal to, uh, you know, competitive players?
0: I think so, because the competitive community, I don't think, really embraced Mega Evolution and z moves so much. They were like, yeah, we don't really like these features that much. But here for Dynamaxing, uh, I don't know if you know, but today was the first day of Pokemon World Championships. Mm-hmm. So they played this trailer in front of everyone, I guess, during the opening ceremony. So they were showing this information directly to its target audience. So I think that was kind of a... Uh, hey, we get it. You, we know you guys weren't so keen on the, the the stuff from the last games. So look at what we're doing now, and maybe you'll like this. And it seems like they do. Well, uh, fantastic. because yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, I you know from from what I've played of uh, the last two generations, like. You know, Z-moves and Mega Evolutions, like, there were parts of it that were neat, but, like, overall, they just kind of felt like gimmicks. Like, not really adding a lot of value or really, um, you know, trying to build on top of the gameplay that already existed. Just kind of like, oh, for this generation, this is this is the gimmick. And, like, I want less gimmicks. I want more mainstays, you know? Yeah. More things that are really going to uh, enrich the gameplay, not just be some, like, something really, like, a flare.
0: I think with Mega Evolutions, uh, it didn't work out as well because only certain Pokemon had them. And even then, like, the benefit wasn't extreme. Um, some Mega Evolutions might change the type of the Pokemon you're using, and I think those are the best-case scenarios, like, you know, I'm using this Pokemon that's weak to the Pokemon I'm battling, but if I Mega Evolve, now I have type advantage or, you know, something like that. Right. Um, And then they took it a step further, like with Z-Moves, because Z-Moves were available to every Pokemon. It's just that certain Pokemon had, like, special Pokemon-specific Z-Moves that I don't think Mm -hmm. were more powerful, but just had unique animations. Um, Here, every Pokemon can Dynamax, so, like, this, this is a feature available to every Pokemon in the game, um, which is also just inherently better for the competitive scene because now there's not going to be these specific Pokemon everybody is uh, specifically targeting because they have this exclusive feature. Uh, there is Gigantamaxing, which is more in line with Mega Evolution because it is specific to certain Pokemon. Mm-hmm. But, again, I think that's more of the, uh, like, the cosmetic, we're just showing this off because it's cool kind of thing. So, like, this is the Pokemon-specific Z-move. Okay. Uh, That's the way I see it, and it seems to be that's the way the competitive scene sees it. Um, But it's just nice to have the Pokemon community actually be happy about something (laughs) for once. (laughs) Ever since the whole National Dex thing started, like, the attention has always been on that. Uh, and for once, at least for a moment, the, uh, the eyes were diverted to actually, you know, some good news for some people, which is great. Uh, you know, I'm not one of the National Dex folks. I understand why those people are upset, but, like, you know, you got to look at all the new stuff Game Freak is doing. I don't think they're getting enough credit here.
1: Yeah, I think it'll probably cool down if the rest of the game is, like, you know, just really solid. Um, and then I could see them, you know, building up uh, the deck over, you know, the next gen or two. Just, you know, putting back in
0: a lot of the Pokemon yeah. that just aren't there anymore.
1: And I think it'll be fine. I think people will get over it.
0: By the end of the Switch's life cycle, whatever Pokemon game comes out, I'm fairly certain that game will have the whole roster.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, and, and even then, like, you know, they're working with HD hardware now, so these can actually port forward, unlike the 3DS models. Uh, so ultimately, like, once we're at the end of the life cycle of the Switch, and then all the Pokemon are in the games, on the next system, hopefully we'll be able to start there, um, and not cause Game Freak to have to completely overwork all of their, (laughs) their company, uh, to make that happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Good on Game Freak for not doing that in the first place. Yes. As a matter of fact. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, Nintendo overall, and obviously, like, you know, Game Freak's kind of separate, uh, still second party. But, um, but that kind of company culture, you know, that set of uh, companies tend to be, seems to be really, really good about not abusing their employees. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, So good on you Game Freak hope to see some really cool stuff with Pokemon going forward we're kind of in that phase with this cycle of Pokemon that you know every other week we're going to get a trailer there's going to be one or two Pokemon revealed maybe a new feature and it's going to be like that all the way until launch so uh, if you're a Pokemon fan you probably have a lot to look forward to over the next couple months including the games once they come out. (laughs) Uh, speaking of Game Freak, I guess I'll skip ahead a little bit. Uh, they did apply for a trademark uh, for their game Town, which now has the name Little Town Hero. And we that's did. about it. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see more of that game. I mean, we saw the one trailer uh, when they announced it with the working title, and we haven't seen it since. Uh, <clears throat> but I did like what I saw then, and uh, I look forward to see what they have to show next.
0: Hopefully yeah. soon. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that's gonna be like a mid 2020 title. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, we got some a lot of neat stuffs happening on Monday, but let's start specifically what's going on with Nintendo. They've announced that they will be doing a Indie World Showcase, not a Indie Showcase, an Indie World Showcase. I don't know why the name changed. I don't know if it has anything to do with Gamescom, <laughs> Gamescom but uh, this is like the third or fourth different name we've had for their Indie presentation <laughs> since they started doing them. Why all the rebrands? Yeah, I, I don't get it.
1: Yeah, I don't well, and then maybe this is just a one off and they go back to the Nindy branding or whatever. Maybe they thought that was um too corny or didn't really um you know, maybe the branding wasn't catching on like they wanted it to. Um
0: could be. I mean, I looked up Indie World just to see if it was an already an associated name, maybe with Gamescom, and I mean I was just flooded with news articles about the indie world showcase so i wasn't able to dig anything up um but so correct me if i'm wrong but that said they've promised 20 minutes of indie titles that will be coming to nintendo switch uh and that is at 8 a.m central time on monday i believe good so I, i wouldn't expect a cadence of hyrule type announcement i'm gonna guess cadence of hyrule type announcements are going to be you know few and far between Especially since we just had Cadence of Hyrule come out like, what last month or the month mm-hmm. before, so yeah, I wouldn't count on that. I, th- I mean, obviously it's still going to be worth watching. Uh, we need to support our indie developers and absolutely especially the ones coming to I, Switch. I,
1: and honestly, like indie developers are some of the most creative de- developers out there because they have to they have to stand out. You know, it's a crowded yeah. field and they got to do something um, good and they have to make a good game. Uh, for, again, for people to really take notice. Uh, and, man, I love my indie games. I mean, I have more indie games than I have first-party games on my Switch. Um, and, I mean, partially because they're they're cheaper, um, but also they're also really, really good. Like, I'm still looking forward to Samurai Gun 2. Uh, I want that on oh, my yeah. Switch. Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah. I hope we hear about that, because I'm very yeah. excited for that. And Untitled Goose Game.
1: Oh, yeah, Untitled Goose Game. Uh, I hope that's just the the name of the game.
0: Yeah, at this point, like, (laughs) if you change the name, you're going to lose all that branding you built up.
1: Yeah, why would you you change that? (laughs) Uh,
0: In addition to that, another one to look forward to is Hollow Knight Silksong, which was demoed at E3. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll probably see a little bit of that. I don't remember if it's slated for 2019 or 2020, Either way, I I think we'll probably at least get a small update about that.
1: I should play that at some point, Uh, at least the base
0: game. Yeah, it's Um. really good. (laughs) Definitely worth the asking price for the amount of content you get. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not that you should measure your games like that. I should stop saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, An interesting piece of news. Uh, In 2016, uh, Zelda producer Eizi Aonuma, the lovable oaf that he is, had an interview with Edge Magazine, uh, and <laughs> he was uh, talking a little bit about uh, working with Nintendo and the kinds of games they develop, and he said, actually, Nintendo has been telling me to create a new IP, but then they're also telling me to make more Zelda games. I can't really share much. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say anything, but I really like the idea of a game where I can live as a thief. That's all I'll say. And apparently nobody picked up on the fact that he was referencing the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Because, spoiler alert, for those who don't know, you can steal items from the item shop in uh, a Maid Village. And if you do that, you'll be labeled as a thief if you ever go back in again. I won't spoil what happens at that point, but you will be labeled a thief. Your name will change. Uh, I like- and nobody picked up on that. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, it's so subtle. I mean, that could really be anything. He's I like the idea of a game where you can live as a thief. Um, and, you know, that could be any number of, of things, you know, stealth games and such. Uh, but I do like that he like, yeah, this was me like teasing that Link's Awakening uh, is on the way, you know, and out here three years later. And, and honestly, like that's one of the most memorable things about that game. As just being able to walk in the shop and walk around walk around the um the
0: shopkeeper you know, the
1: shopkeeper like and then just walk out with the item and you're like, ha ha, ha the game allows me to do this.
0: <laughs> Not without reprimanding you as soon as you step out. Oh, absolutely. It's like aren't you proud of yourself?
1: But it's hysterical. Yeah, it's super funny. Like, it's so funny. Uh
0: Wow, Aonuma, he's a, what a cute man. The fact that he would go <laughs> out of his way to do this. I thought Miyamoto was the one to leak video games all the time. <laughs> Where's Pikmin for?
1: He's probably thinking about it beforehand. He was like, I'm going to drop something and nobody's going to pick up on it.
0: I mean, that said, when you read his language, that said, this is translated. So, you know, some of this might not come across in his language. Right. Or in Japanese, rather. But... uh he does say, I can't really share much. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say anything. That's pretty much saying, hey, there's a game I'm working on that I can't tell yeah, you about. Yeah, it's like the
1: following statement is like a tease. Yeah. And uh, right after we have talked, but they're also telling me to make more Zelda games. I can't really share much, but.
0: It's like super on the nose. You can't be mm-hmm. any more directly indirect than that. <laughs> uh and it's funny, because, like, this isn't the last time he's done this with a Zelda remake, because at a Zelda concert in Japan, I think this year, he just, like, straight up said that Skyward Sword was going to Switch. I mean, it wasn't, like, explicit, but he didn't, he didn't you know, pull any punches with it. He was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe expect this in the future. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm expecting we'll hear about that one maybe next year next year i love how lucy is with this stuff though it's so funny yeah (laughs) so yeah that's a that's a cute story for the week uh in addition to that this is probably some good news for a lot of metroid prime fans we have learned that uh from video games chronicle thanks to his work to point this out that a lot of the game's A lot of Metroid Prime 3's core team is still at Retro Studios. And I don't know where you stand on this, but I think Metroid Prime 3 might be the best entry in the series.
1: Well, I mean, it's also one of my least played in the series. Like, I've never beat any of the games, but, like, like right now on my GameCube, I am, like, on the Omega Pirate in Metroid Prime, and it's Mm -hmm. difficult. And so I put it down, and I haven't picked it up back up for like a few months uh
0: to get more specific uh they say a core team of around 50 people worked full-time on the 2007 Wii shooter and around 27 remain at the texas-based developer that's great news if you ask me i mean even if they aren't the original metroid prime team uh, it shows that they were able to take the ideas from that game elaborate on it and make a new game a good game in that series Mm -hmm. And I imagine the same will happen as they work towards Metroid Prime 4. And we've talked previously about some of the actual names of people who are still at Retro Studios. Um, and this number is much bigger than the actual labeled faces we got last time we heard about it Mm -hmm. so as far as i'm concerned this is good news it's a great mix of old blood plus new blood
1: yeah no that's that's always good i mean at least you have some people who are familiar with the previous projects and can inform from like a legacy standpoint Uh, and then you can get people who kind of you know didn't have that background uh, and they can bring in new things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially that there's probably, you know, a number of younger people there who are maybe even from a different generation, Um, you know, that have maybe played these games, but also, you know, just have a more uh, contemporary understanding of, of game design, you know? It's like, uh, and, it's
0: like Shuntaro Furukawa, the current president of Nintendo of Japan, because, um, that's exactly his story. You know, he was a kid when Nintendo was really taking off, so he played all these games as a child in his formative years. Mm-hmm. So he has, like, an intrinsic understanding of what players like. So, yeah. you know, as the head of the company, he can offer that kind of insight. So if we have that on Retro Studios, and with the people developing Metroid Prime 4, I think we're in for a magnificent game. hmm uh, Koizumi is actually kind of similar Uh, to furukawa in that regard Uh, obviously he's a little bit older um, because he's been with nintendo for quite some time at this point but i believe he also was raised as a gamer which explains all the great things that have happened on switch in the last couple years (laughs) god bless that man i remember when they first did the big switch stage reveal in japan like in january 2017 and he was the one giving the presentation and i didn't know who he was at the time But they, like, did that Joy-Con reveal where he was, like, doing magic tricks. And from that point on, he just became Magic Man to me. I was like, tell me about (laughs) Nintendo, Magic Man. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, he holds that position in my heart. This magician that brings me joy. Uh, Speaking of joy, a lot of you will be happy to know that an FCC filing for a Super Nintendo Joy-Con has been filed. I don't think any of us are particularly surprised by this, but it's great to know that it's finally on the way. Yes, 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 yes. The only thing I would ask... Go for it. The
1: only thing I would ask, and I literally just thought of this, why is there not, like, a USB adapter for the NES and SNES controllers that came with the Classic Editions?
0: Yeah, that would also give you access to the Classic Controller and Classic Controller Pro and the Nunchuck, yes. I guess. That would be such a good value, just an adapter that I can Absolutely. plug in. Yeah, no, that would be great value. Of course, those cords are really tiny, but then you have the Classic Experience right there on your Switch.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: Uh, some things to note about this controller. Of course, it's a it's a it's pretty much just a one-to-one of the SNES, much like the Famicom and NES controllers. For switch but uh, in this case the SNES controller has L&R buttons but this one has the ZL and ZR little nubs from the Joy-Con and I've seen some people being worried about that but I mean I, I have a feeling like this is gonna come with some kind of like wrist strap grip thing that the uh, actual Joy-Cons have that have the, the the buttons that kind of press down on ZL and ZR and I imagine mm-hmm. we'll get that for these that come in the original top of the controller shape. Yeah. Because I they have to be aware that people would not want to play with the little nubs. Like, it's a core <laughs> button in Super Mario World. That would drive me crazy. Right, yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, so based on all of this, when do you think we should expect to see this come out?
1: I think sooner rather than later. I think... Um, I think this will correlate with uh, online uh, a little bit, um, maybe on the one year anniversary of the launch, um, which is next month. Right. So the the other thing that we should consider and something that I've seen is that if they do bring these games, maybe there will be an extra cost to access the SNES games um yeah. or maybe just a raise in the price overall which i don't necessarily mind because like it's already so cheap for like a year you know mm-hmm. um and so like you know maybe they raised it by five maybe they raised it by 10 for a year uh, as long as i can have my snes games fantastic um you know and if this keeps keeps rolling like maybe we will get n64 games down the line I know we've talked about like maybe if there's gonna be an N64 classic and I'm not too sure about that because I think uh, they might just be at this point where they're like okay no we're gonna uh, we're just gonna put them out on the switch you know unless really really push the, people towards the switch
0: unless of course the development of a 64 classic mini is with the intent of building a new emulator that runs these games better which is what happened with the NES and SNES.
1: Right. I mean, that may very well be the fact, but also they could build that emulator without building, uh, you know, or manufacturing Hardware. a new product, you know. Right. Uh, they could just, you know, they could probably build and see what, like, you know, what's possible with the Switch because emulation uh, does take a little bit, you know, so it'd have to be optimized and well-developed. well, uh, well developed. Not like they wouldn't be capable of doing that, you um, I think N64 games would work. Uh, I'm hesitant to say whether they could get uh, GameCube games emulated on there. Uh, That would be cool, though.
0: Since we haven't gotten GameCube games all these these years later, that there is some technical hurdle that they have been incapable of getting over. Right. Because I'm sure Nintendo hasn't been sitting there, oh, people don't want to play GameCube games. Of course they know people want to play GameCube games. Uh, And there just has to be something going on behind the scenes that has made it hard. Yeah. Uh, As far as SNES titles are concerned, like, if this launches next month with, like, 15 to 20 games, you know, including the big ones like Super Mario World, The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, Super Metroid, maybe Donkey Kong Country, and a couple other first-party games, some third-party stuff— that's great. Like, that's most of the stuff you want right out of the gate.
1: Right. I'd be less thrilled if it was just those kind of stuff because, like, those are already on, uh, you know, the SNES the, Classic Edition. The Classic, right?, yeah. uh, But, I mean, for everybody else who didn't get one, that'd be great. Uh, I I feel like if it launched with at least, like, all the games... Uh, on the SNES Classic Edition, I think that would be a good start. Because, like, again, those are already there. Sure. Um, now, the other question is, like, I, I'm not saying that's a sure thing, because I'm not sure if there's even all of the games that were on the NES Classic Edition that are on the NES service as is, you know. Uh,
0: I do. So that the collection has that grown it, quite a bit. I think it has, and obviously it's far exceeded it. By this point. But I do think it has all of those games. I could be wrong. Okay. Uh, Santi's saying Final Fantasy VI, which we know here in the States is Final Fantasy III. Uh, yeah, that'd be a great get. I think for me, like if there's any game I want there to be to be on there, uh, it's Earthbound. Because Switch would be the way I finally sit down and play through that game.
1: Oh, that would be a huge, huge, huge thing. I'd love that. Please oh, give it to me. Chrono um, Trigger 2. Uh, I just, I want, I think, a, was it Sandman in the server who was talking about um, Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3?
0: I think so. Okay. Or it was either him or Flame
1: Yeah, w- one of them. And I was like, yes, please. Because, like, the SNES Classic Edition was the first time I'd ever finished Donkey Kong Country, right? And so now that that's done, I have two other games uh, uh, in that series on the SNES that I need to play through. So, I mean, Nintendo, please, please give me a really convenient way uh, to play those games.
0: And there's there's an aspect to this we haven't even talked about that I think is just as exciting as the prospect of having them on here. And that's the fact that we'll be able to play online.
1: Oh, man.
0: So, like, we could play Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2 together, because uh, that's simultaneous multiplayer, isn't it? I, is it? I can't I remember. I think they
1: have both. Yeah, they have both. They have, like, uh, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure they have two types of multiplayer in the sense of, like, one is just, like, a trade-off. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you try to beat it, and then I try to beat it, uh, and then there's one where it's it's simultaneous.
0: Uh, I mean, there are a lot of games, of course, that just have simultaneous multiplayer on SNES. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, potential there, like Super Mario Kart. You could only play that game with one other person, but we'd be able to do that over the Internet. And that's super exciting. Like, that's one of the advantages that other emulators that we can't endorse here on the channel uh, have been able to do for all of these years. And that's what makes them so appealing to people. Uh, So to have that feature built right into the Nintendo Switch that's a an easy sale for me now i know on the nes i think you were limited to playing with friends there was no option for like random matchmaking which is fine because mm-hmm. i'd rather do this with my friends but say okay. there's a game where you know i just wanted somebody to play with maybe it would be nice if i could just queue up with someone at random uh not a priority for me but something to consider. Uh, And that's what has me most excited for the potential for 64 games, because that's when you really are gonna take advantage of the fact that you can play online. And like Brandon the Stallion is saying, Mario Party, classic Mario Party online is a dream for me. I'd be playing Mario Mario Party Party like once a week if if that happens, because I'm gonna play that a lot.
1: (laughs) I dude, I miss I miss being able to have friends around and play Mario Party. Cause like you know we've never had a Mario Party that's completely online, right? Yeah. Um, and we so, only had like,
0: one that had online for the first time last year. And they didn't have the full boards. And also the uh, online that was in there barely even worked as it is.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it, I mean it is more fun to do it in person. Uh, but like again, like we don't always have that option, you know. It'll be different um, for
0: us here in the next couple months, but uh, if I'm thinking about this as, like, a year ago us, like, this is a priority feature.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely.
0: Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm a- in agreement with you. I think SNES games are much closer than people might think, and next month on the anniversary of online would be a great day to do it. Hopefully, we don't have to wait an entire extra year to get whatever's next, if there is a next after this. Yeah. please be next after this. <laughs> Don't stop there because yeah, you know, please.
1: I, I feel like what they're what's gonna happen is they're gonna start rolling these out and then they, obviously they're gonna drop a few every month and uh, in sets of twos and threes kind of like uh, NES online. And then, like at at a certain point, like NES will fizzle out, and they'll stop uploading NES games because maybe there's no more like worthwhile ones to upload.
0: I mean, for or Albino, maybe at that might, point, it they might even stop. Again. Like when SNES starts, that might be the cutoff point too.
1: Uh, yeah, but that would be stupid because you know depending on yeah like what games are still available to put on there and what they can get licenses to, if they still need licenses for like certain third party games, um, you know, uh, but there's also probably only a certain amount of NES games that are, are really worth putting up on there. You know, that's
0: more or less what I was getting at. Cause I think we've already well hit that point. <laughs> you <laughs> like think there's just a bunch ago. of cruddy
1: ones from here on out? I
0: mean, I mean, the ones we've been getting aren't bad, but they're they're not ones that people are starved for. And that's the point where people aren't going to care anymore. Not that they cared a whole lot to begin with.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, we already have like a lot of the really core titles. Like, I love the fact that I have access to like all the main Mario games on the NES and Lost Levels, uh, which yeah. is obviously one of the main Mario games. Um, I have access to Zelda and Zelda 2. There's just a whole host of games that are like of the ones that feel like they're worth playing. Because I feel like NES, um, you know, it was still a time when we were coming out of a time when, uh, you know, everything was just made super cheaply and they had to find ways of... Uh, rekindling the market you know yeah because um, that was
0: the recovery period from the game market crash
1: right and then also the limitations of the console itself there was only so many possibilities you you could mm-hmm. go with you know like every game was a platformer essentially um, a obviously that's a bit of hype high...
0: there, there was a time when super mario brothers was going to be the very last game developed for the nes i mean we know how that went but yeah it was a different world yeah. back then
1: So, uh, you know, obviously we have, like, all the Mario Bros. games, which are all great games. Like, of all the games you'd ever want to go back to that are actually decent and actually good, like, those games, fantastic. Um, You know, even, like, the original Zelda and Zelda 2, like, there's some jankiness to those. Like, I feel like Zelda didn't really, really get really good until the SNES with Link's Awakening. Yeah, Link to the Past.
0: Uh, so it, I mean, if you ask me, I know people you know like to poo on Zelda Two a lot, but mm-hmm. if I'm if you if you ask me which game I'd rather play between Zelda One and Two, it's going to be Zelda Two every time, because right. Zelda One is just you know a lot of the games on the NES don't hold up because they were in a very you know premature developed state. That uh, they very were developed in a few months. Yeah, and people really were still primitive. Out. Yeah. So like I'm totally in agreement with you, and I th- when you say like Zelda didn't really get good until Zelda three. Like we not- can be
1: honest. Like obviously, obviously, I'm not saying like you know the original by Zelda didn't standards. like. Yeah, like by today's standards, like it obviously it pushed the boundaries. You know, it was a new experience. It was something that was like ahead of its time. It was ahead of its time, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in a lot of ways like they couldn't do a lot of the things that they really needed to do to make the game come alive, you know? and that's when you know, Link to the Past came around and everybody's mind was blown. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like the NES, maybe, maybe the NES is winding down. Maybe uh, here in a few months we'll run out and that's when we'll start getting SNES games.
0: I, I mean, I'd love to see it. And while you were talking... Excuse me, I thought of one more SNES game that I think we have had leaked in the past with the, uh, excuse me, sorry, that the, uh, because there's emulators that were found on the Switch Mm -hmm. a while back. One of them was the SNES emulator, and then I think there was two more. Um, But one of the games listed for SNES was Super Mario All-Stars, and Mm -hmm. that is my favorite way to play that entire collection of games. So I really Mm -hmm. hope that's there, hopefully at launch, because, man... Those games look fantastic in that remake. So please give me that. Uh, moving on from SNES, uh, we should talk a little bit about Gamescom. We can be fairly brief about this since it's kind of all a mystery. But right. uh, God bless Jeff Keighley and all the work <laughs> he's doing uh, because they're having a presentation on Monday at 1 o'clock Central Time. Uh, I believe I have that right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um it's called Gamescom Opening Night Live, and it's basically a, an opportunity for a bunch of developers to reveal new stuff about games we already know about, games we haven't heard about, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it's basically like a bite-sized E3. Um, and let me find the list. There's a list of developers who will be revealing stuff on Opening is this, Night
1: Live. Is this uh, where Sega is revealing their AAA game?
0: Yes. Okay,
1: that's what I thought. There were some other notable uh, devs on there as well.
0: I think Capcom um, is on there, which tells me we might, we might get some Monster Hunter stuff, mm-hmm. which is exciting. I'm trying to find – there's just an image that has all the developers on it. I'm trying to find – We're so
1: close to Iceborne.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, that's like just a couple weeks away. Yeah. Here it is. Uh, 2K, Activision, Bandai Namco Entertainment, Bungie, Capcom, EA – Epic Games, Google Stadia, uh, Deep Silver, Private Division, Sega, Square Enix, Sony Interactive Entertainment, THQ Nordic, Ubisoft, and Xbox Game Studios, and more. And it's a two-hour show.
1: Okay, I I imagine we're going to have some fairly large announcements there. I mean, obviously, we're getting a AAA title from Sega. um,
0: Which they teased today on their Twitter account. Uh, It was a gif of a heart monitor of a pulse, which tells me it could be a new entry in the trauma center series. Yeah,
1: that's what I was thinking. (laughs) Oh my God. That would be amazing. I've never played those games, but I've always wanted to. I I can remember back in the days of the Wii um, that, you know, my mom obviously wasn't a gamer. uh, Obviously wasn't a gamer. I don't want to discriminate against older ladies who might be total gamers, (laughs) um but uh but i remember her seeing like trauma center and you know she got her degree in nursing and Mm -hmm. she was like oh this seems like a game that i'd really enjoy Uh, and i'm kind of upset that we never got around to actually getting it um so there's so sad yeah if there's a if there's a new trauma center game dude i'm all for it
0: (laughs) and it's so cool because like trauma center isn't traditionally like a triple a game so i'm just like sitting here imagining what a triple a trauma center would look like Uh, it's like a
1: full-blown like rpg
0: (laughs) it's usually like a visual novel mixed with uh you know actual operation gameplay so uh who knows might maybe it'll be like persona 5 level you know you're walking around the hospital actually interacting with patients that kind of thing that'd be cool i would really like that
1: uh something else to n- note uh with this Sega thing is the um actual address of the the URL. Um it's hmkd.sega.com. dot com.
0: HMKD? Yes. HMKD.
1: So I'm not- I imagine that probably is another clue as to like what this is. Maybe um, you know, the first letter in each of the words of the game or something like right.
0: that. Right.
1: So well, None I, of
0: that says Trauma Center to me, so maybe right. we're off the mark here.
1: Dang, man. <laughs> we're getting um, excited
0: about Trauma Center. It's going to be like this really awesome AAA game, and we're going to be like, man, it's, it's not, not Trauma, Trauma, Trauma Center. Center.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, Capcom, I think we'll get some Monster Hunter Iceborne stuff in... Who knows? Maybe some Mega Man something or something smaller. Uh, Square Enix, I think we might get a update on the Kingdom Hearts DLC that's coming out at the end of the year. Uh, we've had one trailer for that, so and, and and Square Enix and Kingdom Hearts is all about like vomiting trailers onto the consumer. So I think that'll probably happen. Uh, and then Sony Interactive Entertainment, i got I got my eyes on that because I, I know they're showing Death Stranding. So that's one of the things we'll be seeing. But could we also see The Last of Us Part 2? Because I anticipate that game will be out before E3 of next year. So they can focus on PlayStation 5 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And since they haven't really been doing PSX lately, and it's been a while since they did one of their uh, direct things, I don't remember what they actually call them, um, maybe this is a good place for them to do that.
1: probably probably uh, i also imagine that it'll be a, a release that gets out on ps4 and
0: ps5 P- and ps5 yeah i don't yeah. well it, i guess it depends on when launch is if launch is like the end of next year yeah that'll be like simultaneous release or they'll do it like with the last of us part 1 where it just launched on ps3 and then was remastered on ps4 oh,
1: right Right, that's kind of what I was thinking. I'm certainly hoping that it would look better on the PS5, uh, at least in certain ways.
0: Well, they've already talked about PS5 being completely backwards compatible with PS4. So wouldn't it be neat if you put the game disc in the PS5 that you just got like the downloaded HD texture pack or whatever for PS5 and you didn't have to pay any extra?
1: That would be beautiful. I would love that so much. Um, I'm doubtful because uh, that would cut into their profits but right. uh, that being said it's not like companies haven't done things like that that have cut into their profits before you know yeah, i mean so, capcom
0: released the super hd texture pack for monster hunter world on pc that you could just download for free i think
1: right so. but that's also pc true well i'm what i'm saying is like you know if you if you popped in um, the ps4 disc and them not wanting To kind of uh, give way on the graphics and Mm -hmm. actually force you to be like, oh, yeah, you have to buy the PS5 version, Uh, which would be ridiculous. It really would. I mean, Um, I
0: wouldn't be upset if they say, like, you put in the PS4 disc and then you could just, like, go on to the PSN store and then, like, download the upgraded version for, like, five (laughs) or ten bucks. I think that's fine. Right. Um, But this is a Nintendo podcast, so we should probably swing back the other way. Uh, (laughs) Ubisoft, I think whatever they announce will probably be on everything, because that just seems to be the way they roll. Uh, That said, Greg Miller and his wife were invited to Ubisoft's Toronto Studios, I think, to get a sneak peek at the game they're working on. And then he posted a picture of Sam Fisher's mask. Oh. So this could be the Splinter Cell game we've been hearing about, which seems like forever at this point. Uh, How Cell long Black has it been List since they've had a? Wii U.
1: That's the last Splinter Cell.
0: I think it was Blacklist. Yeah.
1: Oh, this one better be good because I'd so, love to get back into those games. I remember playing those games on the GameCube, and man, of all the stealth games, like those were those were a lot of fun.
0: I'm more of a Metal Gear guy myself, but uh, yeah, there's I've played Blacklist, obviously, and I really enjoyed that, so I'm excited for this. Uh, I hope that this game also ends up on Switch. Like, Blacklist also got launched on Wii U, so there's a possibility. I think Splinter Cell even had a 3DS game. It was a remake of one of the older ones, so maybe. Yeah, okay,
1: we're, we're getting Doom Eternal on the Switch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if there's a will, there's
0: a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, And then from the other developers, I don't really have anything in mind, but I'm sure that there will be plenty of Nintendo Switch to come out of this presentation. So Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a Nintendo fan, if you're a video game fan, I highly advise you watch this. It's a show put on by Jeff Keighley. The man is a godsend uh, and he knows how to put on a good show. And there's a lot of great developers on this list. So there's probably a lot to look forward to. So on Monday, we have the Indie Showcase, or the Indie, let's look at that, call it Indie Showcase, the Indie World Showcase plus Gamescom later that day. So there's a lot of Nintendo news to look forward to. It's going to be a big day. Uh, and I guess while we're on the topic, Logan, you and I have talked about this a little bit, little bit, and you even prefaced this at the beginning of the episode where we said we've been anticipating in the next few weeks that the news is going to start rolling out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is because i think in the next like three or four weeks will be uh, our next nintendo direct last year they did a direct in september and it was a fairly meaty one if i recall we had a smash character revealed i think that's when they announced luigi's mansion if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. um yeah i think that was everything big that still hasn't come out yet uh but that said like this could be a big direct. Uh, we might get a little bit of Animal Crossing. We might get a little bit of tease of what's to come in 2020, though I wouldn't expect a ton of that until the December direct or the holiday direct, January, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, I would,
1: I would imagine that would be closer to the end of the year.
0: Yeah, but, I mean, that said, I, I expect there to be a lot of stuff to look forward to that we don't even know about yet. Uh, this could also be the opportunity for them to tell us about SNES games. That'd be a great place to do it. I mean,
1: you, you said Animal Crossing, and I just like based tunnel like,
0: visioned that.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> put I mean, me in a trance.
0: Why wouldn't? <laughs> Nothing else
1: matters.
0: Like that? It th- that's six months to launch. They they should have something to tell us about at it's that still point. Still too long. Right, but I'm just saying purely from a news standpoint, it makes sense yeah. to talk about it there. Right. No, absolutely. It doesn't have to be anything substantial, nothing huge. Uh, we could even get a tease at who the next Smash Brothers character is, if not just get that revealed outright, with maybe a date put on Banjo, because Banjo could come out any time in the next month and a half, I think. Uh, I, I know they said fall, and fall is like late October, isn't it?
1: Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't think it'll be that long. That just doesn't sound right to me.
1: September 22nd.
0: Oh, actually. Right when you, fall starts. You, you might be right because uh, fall fall starts on September 23rd. I was way off base.
1: <laughs> oh, it does it start on the 23rd? Okay, I revised it to the 23rd because I was No, I think you're sure. right. I
0: think Sunday's the day because didn't they release Hero on a Sunday?
1: Yeah, but that if it's not actually the fall, then why would they release it? Unless they're not looking at it that rigidly.
0: wasn't piranha plant supposed to come out in april and it came out like the night before april (laughs) or was that joker Um, for the smash characters they've up to this point have been kind of ahead of schedule on launch
1: no because i thought piranha plant came out in like february
0: i might be thinking of joker then but one of them came out like the day before the window (laughs) Of when they were supposed to launch, I forget which. You're one. right.
1: You're right. It might be done a little bit sooner, but and so I, you know, it really once September hits, um, you know, is when we all start to get real antsy. Um, yeah. But we also just got Hero, so it might be a little bit longer.
0: It could be. Um, that said, like I'm thinking, this direct is like a month away, and I think that's enough time between mm-hmm. Hero's launch to reveal the next character and to also maybe launch Banjo. Um, It's just like, if you look at it, if they announce the next character in mid-September, that leaves, what, five months until their deadline of February 2020. So the next character, I would assume, would be released or announced, rather, in the holiday direct to then launch in February, and that would keep things on a pretty consistent schedule. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, they want to space this out appropriately so it doesn't feel like there's long droughts between the content drops. Uh, and because they told us February 2020, and if they don't stick to it, that date is in the Nintendo Direct and someone's going to get sued. <laughs> <Wee>! <laughs> There'll be a whole uh, lot Santi, of
1: angry gamers online!
0: Santi says Plant was late January. Plant was supposed to be February, and it came out in January. That's what I was yeah. thinking of uh so yeah that's kind of what i'm thinking in terms of the content drop for smash uh all the way through the last character Uh uh-huh it's kind of the way i see it um if if nintendo was on that list of announcements for gamescom maybe they would just do it there who knows (laughs) maybe they do have something to show i doubt it but you never know okay i think there's just a few more things to talk about before we wrap up uh bubble bobble four Friends, for Friends, is coming friends. to Nintendo Switch. This is a sequel to the arcade game Bubble Bobble.
1: <laughs> Has there ever been a sequel to Bubble Bobble?
0: I don't believe so. Bubble Bobble came Bubble out in 1986. Bubble. Sequels, let's see. Okay, there's Rainbow Islands, the story of Bubble Bobble 2 in 87. Uh, Bubble Bobble Part 2 on the NES and Game Boy in 93. Bubble Bobble 2 on the Sega Saturn Bubble Memories the story of Bubble Bobble 3 on arcades in 95 it seems like mostly just spin-offs yeah bubble bobble 4 would be like a proper sequel to bubble bobble but right. i guess the 4 is also a pun because they have bubble bobbles 1 2 and 3 and they don't have a 4 yet mhm but i don't think it's being framed as the fourth game in the series
1: Right. Uh, well, so
0: yeah, that's on the way.
1: Nito, what a, what a weird, weird title. Just to be like, hey, this is a thing. You guys, remember this one, guys?
0: <laughs> have you ever played Bubble Bobble? I don't think I have. It's a fantastic co-op arcade game. Uh, okay, you play as a little dinosaur, dragon-looking guy. And uh, he shoots bubbles out of his mouth, and you basically have to attack all the enemies by trapping them in bubbles on a little single-screen platform stage. Mm-hmm. And you could play it with a friend, and the two of you could cooperate and do it together.
1: One's Bubble and one's Bobble?
0: I th- it's Bub and Bob.
1: Bubby and Bobby.
0: <laughs> Their official names are Bub and Bob. Uh, well, but
1: yeah. oh, wait. Okay, whatever. It's all the same. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, So, yeah, I think this is actually a game you might want to keep your eyes on, uh, because it could be a great just co-op game, play with a friend. Probably not super long, but probably a good time. So, yeah, that's uh, one for the strange news category. (laughs) Uh, And (laughs) lastly, Shantae 5 has gotten its official name. It's Shantae and the Seven Sirens. We have not gotten a gameplay reveal yet, but they did release a couple screenshots, and it looks like it's borrowing its art style mostly from... Shantae, Half-Genie Hero, though if I recall, Half-Genie Hero was like a part 2D, part 3D, like the characters were 2D and the backgrounds were 3D. Okay. As to where Seven Sirens looks like the entire the entire game is 2D. And it does use like a hand-drawn looking art style. Yeah, Half-Genie Hero had 3D backgrounds. Okay. Uh, I anticipate that this game will get its gameplay revealed during the Indie World Showcase. I
1: think that's probably a good guess. Good place to
0: reveal it. I mean, that opening cinematic we got to see was gorgeous, so Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm highly anticipating this game. And the only Shantae I've ever played is Shantae and the Pirate's Curse on Wii U, and I loved it. Uh, I don't know why I never, like, actually actively went back to try and play some of the other ones, but, uh... Yeah, this will be an exciting game to see once it's on the way. And who knows? Maybe this ties into the fact that Shantae's coming to Smash Bros. You never know.
1: (laughs) Remember that big window conspiracy? She certainly got the legacy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And from a technicality standpoint, she's a Capcom character and a WayForward character. WayForward Mm -hmm. developed, Capcom published. Right. And now exclusively WayForward. But I don't know. I I think Shantae's got a shot. Uh, so, yeah, that pretty much does it for Nintendo stuff this week. Uh, like we said, kind of a strangely busy week of news. Um, but next week will be the big the big boy. Because <laughs> I, I anticipate we have a lot of games we'll be talking about that we either don't know about yet or we'll have a lot more news for. Um, and of course, that includes games that maybe aren't coming to Nintendo Switch. Like obviously, Logan and I are incredibly excited for Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Uh, but if that gets news, we probably won't be talking about it here on the show. Uh, oh, Logan. I guess while we got you here, you just bought Fire Emblem Three Houses. Yeah, you I did it a little bit. Right?
1: Why are we talking about this? I could be playing it.
0: Well, just, just give me, uh, give
1: me your impressions. Uh, I well. I have gotten through like the very very beginning uh, I love the opening cutscene I was so impressed uh, I was immediately caught off guard by how fantastic the voice acting is it's uh, really and that good. it's like fully voice acted uh, the um, uh, the battling seems pretty standard uh, although notable lack of Obviously the uh, the triangle, which I knew about that going in, um, and I've already decided on which house uh, I'm going for. Um, I am hashtag Team Claude, uh, and I'm very excited to play more.
0: You got to do the the symbol of the golden deer. I know you can't see me, yes. but uh, you got to put your hands up on your head like antlers. That's the symbol of the golden deer. Oh, like this? Yep. Oh, Oh. So uh, I don't know if you follow Joe on Twitter, uh, the voice actor for Claude, no, but uh, he has a cam- he had a campaign going because there was a an article on Polygon about how the Black Eagles Edelgard's house was the the most, um, like the the most selected, and he he basically made a meme video on Twitter talking about how this was in- unacceptable. And he had, like, three or four things that the deer house needs to be doing in order to combat this. Uh, and one of the things was the secret symbol, which is to put your hands up to your head to other people. Not say anything, because only true golden deer are going to know what it means. Of course. Uh, he was listing off places you have to do it, which included restaurants, I think grocery stores, and most importantly, other monasteries. <laughs> Other than the one that you attend in the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Look up that video on Twitter. It's a riot. That guy is fantastic. Um, So yeah, welcome to the Golden Deer House. I'm happy to have you. Claude is the obvious choice in Fire Emblem Three Houses. He's got majestic hair. He's got a great personality, and he's a really funny dude.
1: Yeah, I I personally got flutters uh, when I saw him on screen for the first time.
0: I think we all did. Yeah, uh, I felt the same way about his voice person. actor. The first time I saw him, I was like, oh, he's just Claude. He is Claude.
1: <laughs> That's why they picked him. They're mm-hmm. like, this. he looks like he would sound and sounds like this character should.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the official slogan per Joe is hashtag fear the deer.
1: <laughs> fear the deer. I like it. I
0: yeah. Like he it. sent a box of cookies to Nintendo. Uh, with the the golden deer insignia on it that all said, fear the deer.
1: <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, yeah, that's going to wrap up Nintendo stuff. I'll let you get to playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. My wife is currently finishing the game downstairs, so I can't go down there to watch. Uh, I'm at, like, the 35-hour mark, so, like, over the weekend, I'm going to try and kind of get through to the end of the game because, boy, you are in for a treat. I can't wait to hear what you think. Uh, yeah, and I guess I'll let you get to it. You can follow me on Twitter at BabbitBabs. You can follow Logan at LoggyDubs. You can follow us as a collective at Breakroom Arcade. Uh, and if you want to keep up with the conversation, there's a link to our Discord server in the description below. Sorry, I thought I was going to burp. Uh, if you want to talk about Fire Emblem Three Houses, play Smash Brothers with us, all that kind of fun stuff, make sure to do that by joining our Discord. If you want to help support the show, make sure to like and subscribe here on YouTube. If you're listening on your favorite podcast sources such as Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, make sure to rate us, subscribe to us, follow us, whatever you have to do on whatever platform you're on. Please do that because it really helps the show. And if you're a longtime fan or if you really like what we do, if you want to help support the show financially, you can do that in a variety of ways. You can become a member here on YouTube. You can... Support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Or you can support our podcast directly uh, on on, on anchor.fm F- F- So uh, plenty of ways to do that. Thank you guys so much for all your support. It really means a lot to us. We love you guys. Uh, I almost did Black Nerd Comedy's outro. I was like naturally just about to say, I love you like a play cousin. I'm out 5,000 chain chomp yomp. It nearly happened. <laughs> God bless you, <laughs> Andre Meadows. Uh, We'll see you next time, guys. Make sure to come back for Nintendo Stuff number 52, where we'll be talking about the Indie Worlds Showcase, uh, all the news at Gamescom, and whatever else happens next week. So until then, don't break your backs. Break in the games. But for now, break time is over.
1: And drink more water, roomies.
0: Stay hydrated.